Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us today on the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, and I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be tackling a really tricky topic, and that is making a career switch. So I needed not just anybody to tackle this topic with me today. I needed a real expert. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Karen Weeks. Karen is the SVP of People at Order Groove in New York City. She's a career coach. She is a career switcher herself. She has done a lot of really cool things that she will walk us through. She's also a podcaster. Be sure to check out Getting Off the Hamster Wheel, which is Karen's podcast all about making career moves and changes. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today. And so just to get started, I would love to hear about you, what you're doing now, and how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. I actually started in theater. I was going to be a stage manager. It's what I went to school for. I loved it until it had to be my full-time job and what was paying the rent and allowing for stability in life because it allows for zero stability. Then I thought, well, maybe I'll still stay in the arts, but I'll move to the business side. So I worked out in LA for a talent agency. And there it was, the industry just was not right for me. LA wasn't right. We were definitely East Coast people. So I took some time to try to figure out what I was in enjoying about my jobs and what I didn't enjoy. And long story short, it led me to HR. I love helping people with their careers. I love helping creating a shared experience for folks. And when I kind of looked at what that could be in the business world, it led me to HR. And I truly have found my passion. I love helping companies create their cultures, especially more in the startup stage. So much of our life is spent working. And so if I can help people find something that's going to bring them joy, which by the way, may change during their life. And that's totally fine. That's what I really feel the most passionate about is helping people with their careers. That's a really dramatic career change from theater to HR. How did you get your start in HR? Because I think that's often the hardest thing, right? For a career switcher, if you can identify what you want to do, but then it's, how do I get there? How did you do it? The first step I took was I asked a lot of people about what HR was, because of course, my limited experience was going to be very different than what other people experienced in different industries and different size companies. It wasn't just payroll and benefits. It can be so much more. And so I just talked to people that were already in that industry. Then I really just took any job I could to get into an office setting. Again, with the theater and the entertainment background, I needed just to kind of get into the right world. And so at first I was just an office coordinator. 
and I was doing filing and office management kind of stuff, but they didn't have an HR person. And so I shared with the leaders of the organization that I was looking to get into HR. I was still obviously very early in my learning. And they said, well, we need someone to kind of help with figuring out some commissions. And then we needed someone to help be the liaison with the benefits uh, vendor. Would you be willing to start doing some of those things? I said, absolutely. Cause it just gets me to learn more. So that was really the first couple of steps. And after doing that for a couple of years, I was able to sort of position myself as starting to have an HR career. My title was HR and office admin. And then I got a job as an assistant with an HR team. So it was a large international consulting firm. Their HR team needed an assistant. And I figured that was a great opportunity to really start to learn the different projects that HR folks get to work on. I'd be sitting in those meetings and just hearing people talk about it, which is the way I really learn is just to be immersed in something. And that was really when I started to get some real solid footing around HR and what it meant. And I spent five years at that consulting firm in a couple of different HR jobs, just getting the opportunity to learn some things I did not like at all, other things I loved, and that really helped me kind of get on my path. That's great. And also, I like that you mentioned um, this was not an overnight thing, right? This was a process. It took time. And I think that's hard when we know we want to do something and get somewhere, but a career switch is it's like turning a big ship and it takes some time. How did you stay maybe patient and focused during that time? Was that hard or did you kind of enjoy the learning along the way? It was definitely hard in the sense of, I think emotionally, once you make a decision to make a change, you really want to get there, whether that's moving cities, deciding to get married. I mean, whatever the thing is in your life, anytime you make a decision, you're like, yes, now let's go. The good news is I'm a big nerd. I love learning. And so I would sit and read books. This is early 2000s. So the internet existed, but definitely was not like online classes and podcasts and that kind of stuff yet. But I would find local classes I could take, the library might offer something and I would go to that. So financially, I couldn't afford to do a ton of classes at that point. I later went on to go to grad school, but at that point, I was just taking anything I could and just reading a ton of books and articles and magazines and all that stuff. And that fed the, okay, maybe I'm not doing it day to day quite yet, but at least I'm learning about it. I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. So that kind of helped with the patience. And I think I truly just tried to keep my eyes on the prize in the sense of I probably could have gotten like a recruiting coordinator job, but I knew recruiting was not the area I wanted to focus on. And so I decided to take a path that would take a couple more steps, but I felt like would get me to the better place versus maybe getting going the recruiting route, knowing that was probably not what I wanted to do full time. Good for you. That's a that's a big trade-off to make, really, right? I'm going to take the slower path, but it's going to get me where I want to go. So what part of HR do you focus on now that you love? And I love that you love your job. I love when people say they love their jobs. That's so great. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, one thing I love about startups is that I really get to do a little bit of everything. You know, one day I'm working on how we're demonstrating our values during her huge times of change. And the next minute I'm doing one-on-ones with new hires. And so it really is a huge broad spectrum. My favorite part though, is anything around development, whether that's working on career pathing, training, coaching, anything that deals with development and feedback. It's really 
I feel like it is the, and it sounds so cheesy, but it, you know, using the phrase, it's a gift. But if I respect you as a person, I want you to be the best you can be. So let's figure out what that path is. Let's make sure you're getting the feedback on places that you do really well and other places that maybe you need to work on a little bit, because that's going to let you get on that path that you want. And whether that's a promotion or a job change or whatever, having that conversation about your development is so important. And so training managers on how to do that, making sure that's part of the culture of the company that we work for. And then the individual coaching is definitely the pieces I love the most. That's great. That can make a huge difference in a person's career trajectory, I think, is having somebody at an organization who's willing and able to have those conversations and give that feedback that helps you grow. So that's really great. And I think to be honest, it's also okay to say this may not be the company for you anymore. And again, building an environment where it's safe to have that conversation, I would much rather talk to someone who's been somewhere for four years, for whatever reason is ready to move on. And if you're not having that conversation and they feel stuck, they get negative, their performance drops, and then that's the way they're leaving the organization. That's horrible. So I want to create an environment where we can have any kind of conversation, even if it's, I don't know if this is the place for me anymore. That's great. What I love, there's a lot of interesting things going on around kind of annual reviews and not doing annual reviews and progressive companies seem to have some really innovative ways to handle that. How do you do that at Order Groove? So it's really interesting. We have an annual process, but it is called development feedback. So there's no ratings. It's three, four questions. What are ways you've made an impact to the business? What are areas of opportunity? What's an example of how you've lived our values, either because you struggled with it or you did something really well? And then what are some development goals? What we've realized, especially while being remote during the pandemic, is that those develop- those ongoing development conversations outside of that annual check-in are getting a little lost because everybody's so busy and so stressed and so distracted. So actually, literally right now, as we go into what is our biannual check-in, because our calendar is a little off from the Uh, normal calendar, is really rediscovering what that development muscle looks like and how do you have those ongoing conversations. It's probably not part of a one-on-one. It might be a separate conversation so you can really focus on it. And then that, you know, leads to the bigger check-ins. So that's what we've been doing in the past. And that's the one way that we really need to sort of double down on it moving forward to help it really be part of who we are as our infrastructure, but also what we commit to our team members. Cool. So you're probably having those development conversations. And are you also training managers to have those too? Yes. Yep. So we do uh, manager roundtables every few months to talk about different topics and development will be our next one for sure. And trying to also training the employees though, as well, because it's definitely a partnership. And I think sometimes, and I see this across companies, I think sometimes people come into those conversations around, okay, so what are you doing for me? Like either where's my promotion or where's my money for my course or whatever. And it really should be a conversation about this is what's important to me. Manager, how can you help me get there? Well, here's some advice and here's some ways I can support you. And here's something I've seen work really well. So it's really a conversation about development. It shouldn't all be on the employee's hand and it shouldn't all be in the manager's hand either. Nice. And do you, have you been able to facilitate kind of career changes for people internally, people who started in one area and decided they wanted to go to a different part of the company? 
Yeah, that's always my favorite part of career pathing decks and conversations or whatever is examples of people who made changes into different departments or sort of untraditional career ladder. It's not just about going up, it can be about going over. And so we always share those stories. And I think the other thing we talk a lot about is business needs. So you may want to be whatever, a director of accounting, but we may not have a director of accounting role right now. So either let's figure out what is the business need and the gap that's missing today and why we do need that role and why you're the one to fill it. Or let's find other ways to develop you and either something will change by the time you're ready for that role. Or again, maybe that means it's time for a a moment of change. But I also try to set a very clear precedent that I want to support your development. I want to help you create those roles only if it makes sense for the organization, especially in startup world, we're not going to have hundreds of roles that we can go, yeah, we'll just pay for that. No problem. Right. How big is order groove? How many people work there? We're about 70 people. Okay, good. So startup, but not like three people working yes, on somebody's yeah. <laughs> garage. <laughs> Very cool. So career changes. I know you have tons of great advice. So would love to hear how you advise people who are interested in making a big career change. Yeah, I think number one is to really take the time to figure out why you're feeling stuck today and where you think you want to go. So what do you enjoy about your job? What don't you enjoy? I mean, there's always something, but like, what are the things that really really bring you down. What are some things that are non-starters? Like maybe at this point in your life, you really need something that's more nine to five, or you're willing to be totally flexible. So what are some things that you absolutely need to make sure are there in your next opportunity? And then start to think about the skills that you have that you can apply. So those are probably softer skills like communication, time management, those sort of things. But that was one thing that I looked at, even when I went from stage manager to the talent agency, you know, as a stage manager, I was wicked organized. I had to manage a lot of different people and all have get everybody to the same goal. So I was able to say, look, as I'm trying to deal with casting directors and actors and talent agents, I'm going to get everybody on the same page. and I'll know exactly where someone's supposed to be at any time, because that's what I had to do as a stage manager. So really sort of figuring out how to leverage those skills for your next opportunity. And then my next biggest biggest piece of advice is just start talking about it. You know, reach out to people that maybe have the job you want to move into, or reach out to people who also made a career change and get some advice about what they did or what it's like to actually be a product manager or an accountant or a nurse or any of the things that you're thinking about. And then start joining organizations that are that are like that. You know, maybe there's a meetup or something that of those sort of roles. Start reading articles about it, sharing articles on LinkedIn, start sort of branding yourself in that new industry. Even your mindset of I'm a former stage manager who's trying to get into HR, that alone can really set you up because once you start putting it out there into the world, the world will start feeding it back to you and opportunities will start coming up. But you have to be open to start talking about it. Otherwise, it doesn't just magically happen. The universe doesn't go, I think Karen wanted to move into HR. Let me put something in front of her. Right. That's a really good point. I think you have to, this is all on you. You have to really be the driver. Of course, I think you always have to be the driver in your own career, but particularly on a job change and a career switch. And I love that you said brand yourself because I think you're so right. You really do have to start thinking of yourself as, I am an HR person, I am an accountant, I am a software developer, whatever it is, you have to see yourself there before you can expect other people to see you there. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and they'll start introducing you to other people or other opportunities or, you know, if you want to be a software developer, have you heard of this boot camp? Or I took this class at General Assembly that really helped me get like some baseline understanding. Or here's a company that is internships. You'll just start hearing more about things if you start to put yourself in that world, even if you're still doing your teacher job or whatever during the day. Yeah, absolutely. Like figuring out what do those people read? What are they listening to? And just kind of immersing yourself yeah. in that world to the extent that you can. You know, I, I always wonder how hampered are job seekers now that everybody is kind of stuck at home. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of a, it, go, it cuts both ways, right? We're not going out to meetups and meeting people anymore. We're not having coffee with people. And that's too bad. But maybe there's also a sense that people are willing to help you a little bit more because it is a tough job market. And there may be people who have more of an opportunity to do an informational call with you during the day because they're not sitting in a big office setting where they just wouldn't have the flexibility to take a call like that. Yeah. And I think everybody is used to being on calls right now. So, you know, if I reach out to someone who happens to be in Chicago, it's not a big deal because of course it's going to be a virtual coffee. It'd be a virtual coffee if it was someone across the park from me right now. (laughs) And I think, you know, to, to that point, I also share when you do reach out to folks, explain why. Don't have it be like this cookie cutter. I reached out to 50 people today and I just changed the name. You know, you work in tech startups. I see that you also lived in Pennsylvania. I don't know, whatever thing is that caught your attention about my profile that will make me more likely to want to talk to you because it feels like you've done your research and you're reaching out to me for a reason. Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you get requests for informational interview type things? Yeah, always. Uh, <laughs> and usually, you know, I'm, I really try to, to help out as much as I can, even 20 minutes a month from now. You know, I use a Calendly link that specifically has blocks for those sorts of conversations in the day because I really do want to help people. And if something about my background might be helpful, I'm more than happy to talk to somebody uh, and give them any advice that I can. That's great. Yeah, I've heard from a couple of people lately. They actually just have sort of a block of time every week that they think about setting aside just for that purpose. Exactly. I think that's so great. That's such a great way to think about your week that there's space in there where you're just doing something to help someone else with no expectation in return. Well, and I think to your point, our lives are so different right now. And by the way, I don't have kids. I recognize it's very different for people who are trying to homeschool and like try to deal with all that. But instead of doing a commute, I can do something like this, or I can write, or I can do a podcast or whatever. And so that's kind of how I'm taking some of this extra time is that you're right. I'm not sitting in an office where I have to sneak into a phone booth to, to have a conversation. And and obviously, Order is very supportive of me just as a person. But still, life in an office is very different than the flexibility of, of working at home right now. Yeah, absolutely. Does your office have plans to go back anytime soon to the office? So right now we're saying not this year. The office is available because here in New York, people can start going back to offices if they needed to. So you you literally can get into the building if you just need a day away to sit and do something. But we are not going to have everybody back. We're not going to worry about partitions and masks and temperature checks and all that. And when we get to 2021, we'll see. But in general, we have said we're going to offer a much more flexible work from anywhere policy. We used to be very New York office centric with just a few people who are remote, but we're really going to open that up and say, you do what works for you. If you like being home, stay at home. If you want to be in the office, be in the office. If you want to do 50-50, that's fine too. It's what works for you. 
Nice. I'm, I'd love to like fast forward a year and see who are, how many people are really back in the office. Yeah. How many people are like, Hey, that stay at home thing works really well for me. Yeah. Especially once other pieces of life go back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. I'm really interested. I have my sort of theories, but it's so hard to picture anything right now that who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. What's your theory? I have to ask, what do you think we're going to be doing? I think most people will do some sort of split. Like they'll want to be in the office a couple of days a week, or, you know, maybe it's a couple of days every other week or something, but they'll want some sort of connection to their team, whether that's because they have a team meeting that day or they have some interviews or, or whatever the, the reason is. Um, that's my gut is that most people will do work from home, but want to be in the office a couple of days a week or whatever the exact number is. Yeah, I think that's probably a good prediction. <laughs> and I'm probably in that camp myself. So um, cool. All right. So you have surely coached a lot of people who are making some really big career changes. Can you share with us a story of somebody who's done that really well? Yeah, it's really interesting. There is a couple of people that come to mind. One is someone who actually had a couple of different career changes. She literally calls them like her first career, her second career, her third career. And every time she was actually probably getting closer to where she really wanted to be. It started off uh, very corporate in healthcare and very suit every day and very formal. Then she moved into social impact consulting. So she was removing the corporate world and was trying to make it, you know, a difference through consulting, but she realized that every time she like had to pull up a spreadsheet or something like that, she totally lost all her energy. And she said, I have an MBA. This is what I should be like really enjoying this stuff. But she loved the team management side of things. And so she took some time away from everything just to kind of get the noise out of her head. And she moved into a leadership coaching role that she does on her own. But I, I when she was telling her journey, I was like, I feel like every time you made a change, you were getting closer and closer to it. But I think the most extreme version, and actually I'm recording this episode this week, is someone who was a minister who then went into sales and then moved into head of sales and now does consulting for startups for mission-driven companies who don't have a head of sales yet. I was like, minister to sales. I feel like that might be the biggest 180 of people I've talked to. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big leap from minister to sales, but very cool. And what do you think are some of the, the skills he had as a minister or just the personal qualities that made him a good salesman? Yeah. So if you think about sales, a good salesperson listens because they're trying to help you solve the problem and show how whatever thing they're selling solves your problem. And I would imagine as a minister, a lot of his work was around listening and counseling and those sort of things. So I actually, when we sort of pare down those skills pieces that didn't seem as extreme when you thought about that piece of it. Because I know if I'm working with a salesperson, the more salesy you feel, the less I want to work with you, the more partnership feel, then I'm much more willing to try to you know work with you. And I think that's his approach to sales. That's great. So there's a, a really good lesson in there, I think. And that's, you mentioned kind of breaking down, what are the skills that a salesman uses? What do they need to be good at? And did I do any of those things in my previous job? Mm-hmm. And that's a great like sort of step one on the road of making a, a big career change. So 
Yeah, I think especially because it's so easy to, you know, Google things these days, like just look up a bunch of if you think you want to move into sales, look up a bunch of sales job descriptions that are posted, you know, all over whatever platform of interest. And you'll quickly see some very specific skills or experiences that show up probably on every job description. And so focus on those both when you redo your own resume and start branding yourself, or if there is a gap, focus on how to learn those skills first, because those are the things that are going to drive your ability to make that change versus the 20 bullet points that are probably on a job description. Right, right. And the other thing you just mentioned that I wanted to sort of pick up on was identifying those gaps, those skill gaps, like, do I want to be in sales? And they're looking for these three things. I've got this one, but I don't have those other two skill sets. And then kind of making a plan to go out and get those. I think there's so many ways we can pick up new skills now without, A, without ever leaving our homes because we <laughs> don't leave our homes anymore. But um, B, without like spending a ton of money, like you mentioned, going back to school, but also that you don't need to make that huge investment of time and money in another degree in order to make a big career change. Yeah. And I think especially with online courses or places like General Assembly or even Teachable or uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Udemy, it's like U-D-E-M-Y. There are a lot of ways to get skills even and honestly I realize that's not then using the skill, but to be able to share with an interviewer hey, I know like I need to build whatever my Excel skills. I took this course as a first step to start to better understand what I need to be doing there. That commitment and probably for not a lot of money is a great first step. I actually would, unless you need to become a nurse or something so full of accreditation that you need to take that step in order to get anywhere, I would encourage people to dip their toes first, even if it's volunteering or working for an organization part-time where you can start to get the sense of like, is this actually the thing I want to do? A good friend of mine who I actually interviewed for the podcast was in theater, thought she had to find something more stable, went into become a school counselor and went back to school immediately to be, to do that. And within a year or so realized she actually didn't want to make a change. And there was other things in her life making her think that. And she said, look, I, I learned a lot. I will never regret anything. But she has a ton of debt that she is now getting through because she went back to school. And she said, if I found ways to sort of do it part time or volunteer or do something first, I probably would have realized I didn't actually want to make the change and not have gone back to school. So there's usually some way to kind of learn more before, especially if you do have to make such a financial investment before taking that huge leap. Yeah, that's a great point. Kind of prototyping your future career. (laughs) And yeah, I think you're right. We just, we have to get really creative. How can I experience what it's like to be this without actually plunking down the huge investment for the degree before I figure that out? And I do think kind of the informational interview route or just having those conversations, like you mentioned earlier, start talking about it, talk to everybody about it is a really great way to dip your toes in, as you mentioned. So I think that's a really smart strategy. And I also love the whole thought of taking courses and just getting even just online courses or the free stuff or whatever to get that exposure. Because as you mentioned, you could be talking to a hiring manager or a recruiter and saying, I took a course in this. 
And I think besides the fact that you're picking up the skill, it just says a lot of great things about you that you kind of identify that skill gap. You took the initiative to go fill it. You got creative. You found a course online. It was free or maybe it was paid. doesn't really matter. But I think that says more about you than just, hey, I picked up this skill. Like, hey, I'm the person who, when I don't know something, I go figure it out. I go learn it. Yeah. And I really believe that as a hiring manager myself or as someone who does, you know, first round interviewing as a recruiter, I can train you on most things. Maybe if you're coming into marketing, maybe you don't know HubSpot, but you know, WordPress, like I can train you on HubSpot. I can't, it's a lot harder to train on problem solving, communication, influencing, creativity. So again, to your point, if you've started to show you're the kind of person that will pick things up, you know, self-learning, I'll figure out how to teach you the system because you've already shown so much to me that I can't train in others. Good point. And I also hear a lot from hiring managers. They're not looking for the person who knows it all. They're looking for the person who can learn it all. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really, really big difference. And I think a different way of hiring, because maybe you're not looking for the person who checks every box on that laundry list of things you put in the job description, but they've got a foundation. They've got some of it. And they've indicated to you that they are the kind of person who picks things up easily and takes the initiative to learn. Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard the statistic, but I know a lot of the focus that you do is for women making transitions. Women in general tend to remove themselves from processes because they don't think they have enough of the skills. I think it's the 60% won't apply to something because they don't think they have enough skills while men will be like, I have it all and like apply. And so I think that's even more important if that tends to be your personality is, oh, well, I don't have everything they're looking for. I'm not even going to apply. Remove that stigma, jump in and show them why you think you could be the best for that role. Yeah. Do you think there are ways on a resume to indicate that you are the person who can learn it all? Because sometimes the resume just shows what you already know. And so how could you signal to somebody, to a hiring manager or recruiter, that you are a learner? That's a great question. The first thing that comes to mind is as you're sort of laying out either key accomplishments or some of the things that you did in your last role, literally put learned new system or learn and implemented or, you know, whatever the thing was that you actually did with the system. If that was a system you didn't know when you walked in the door, somehow call out that you learned it or some courses that you've taken. In my previous job, I had to learn this new thing call that out as part of what you did in that job. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to actually put down in black and white. Cause I do think that's a hard thing to get across on a piece of paper when you just are applying with a resume. If you don't have a connection or a contact somewhere at a company, of course, that's always ideal. And that's why I always tell people like focus on the people and companies and not job openings because once the job is posted, there's so much competition, but if you have the chance to have a conversation and you can explain yourself sort of, right? You can tell your story and, hey, I am a learner. I'm a growth mindset kind of person. And that's not always something you can get across easily on that resume. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, I think with career switches, lots of times you hear like 
people are sort of following their passion or they love doing something and it's, but it's not really a thing they can get paid for doing. So I don't know, have you seen that sort of work out for people that they do those big sort of following your passion and career changes and and how have they done that? Yeah, it's really interesting. One person I talked to did it for a while and realized the lifestyle was not for them. They weren't going to make enough money. And so what they went back to is they found a nine to five job that they, you know, liked enough and realized it gave them the flexibility to do what they what their passion was outside. And it was actually able to stay more of their passion because it wasn't their full-time job. And so that was how they were able to sort of feed both, have the stability and the recognition of, I need to know that I can pay my rent and those sort of things, but that the passion really gets to stay on the side and doesn't come with that weight of, I need to be able to pay my rent and, and those pieces. And it really truly can just be this thing I love that I do on the side. Other folks have found it through either at a time in their life where they could have more flexibility when it came to compensation or some of those things. Again, every time, every moment in our life, other different things are important to us. It may be stability. It may be financial. It may be flexibility. It may be, I don't care. I just want to do something I love because I've got like 10 years left in the working world or whatever. And so I think recognizing what sort of stage you're at and what is most important to you, you may have the flexibility that for a few years, you can take a pay cut or you can take some instability in your life and do something that really feeds that passion for a while because you never know where it's going to lead. It could... Maybe you love to travel and you're doing a travel blog and all of a sudden you're working for Expedia, which is all about travel, but probably gives you a more stable role. I put quotes around that, a more stable role. So it really kind of gives you the opportunity to think about what do I need today? What would feed my soul while also feed the the literal things that I need in my life? Do those things come together is there a short-term thing that I could do? And then maybe see where that takes me because you don't have to decide right now what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's really for the next few years and kind of think with that mindset and see if that changes what possibilities are out there for you. Great. That's really important. I think any of the decisions that you make career-wise, sometimes we give them a lot of weight, like I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, but really there are very few of us who do one thing for the rest of our lives (laughs) career-wise and i know there's a lot of studies and statistics that back that up so there's data on career changes that tells us that a person will have an average of seven different careers over the period of time that they're working and what that kind of indicates is that none of the decisions that you make you are stuck with for the rest of your life. You can always make a change. And so maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of people as they're thinking about making big career changes. You can always change back or you can always change to the next thing if you decide that doesn't work out. Well, and I also truly believe that it's, we were talking about the one woman where it felt like she was actually peeling back to get to where she was supposed to be. There's also a, a real belief that you can, you're adding to where you're supposed to go. So one person who I know, who actually I just talked to the other day, started off uh, at my last company, uh, which was all about search engine. So find the local dentist, find the whatever in your area. He then went back to school. He got really interested in the mental health space and was trying to figure out where he wanted to do there. And he ended up working with an engineer on building a platform for students, for colleges to use with students to help find local therapists. 
in an area that they probably don't know because they're just there for school. And so he was able to think about it in that way because of his experiences at Yodel and then his passion for mental health. And instead of like becoming a therapist or going down that path, they've created this. And so you really kind of see how every step he took without realizing it was bringing him to this moment. Oh, that's great. That's like taking everything that you've learned along the way and, and doing something really cool and different with it. That's neat. And there's a big need for that too, yeah. what they've created. So I think that's very cool. All right. Finally, probably the last thing I want to touch on is just that there are a lot of people, I think, right now who have sort of been forced into a career change, maybe, or a job change, unfortunately, due to the circumstances around the pandemic and a lot of people losing jobs. And so just want to kind of acknowledge like, hey, that's really hard because this stuff is a probably easier and be more fun maybe to engineer a career change when it's on your own terms and your own time. And sometimes we get sort of forced into these things, but love that you've sort of laid out some good ideas as far as thinking about dipping your toe in the water for a career change and identifying those skill gaps and filling them and really positioning yourself as somebody who is a learner and how you might show that on your resume. Any more tips you might have for somebody who finds themselves needing to make a career change that maybe they didn't see coming. Yeah, it's so interesting because that's actually what prompted me starting the podcast now was as I was working with some folks that had been impacted, I thought for sure there was me. I just got to get a new job. God only knows when it's going to happen. So the first one I find I'm just going to take. And that was not the attitude of a lot of folks. They were really taking this time to reflect. Maybe it's also because when huge things like a pandemic happen, you realize sort of what's more important and how you want to spend your time and those sort of things. But I was really inspired that people were saying, hey, this is the situation I'm in. I actually want to figure out whatever I do next makes sense. And so... The good news is that if you are not also trying to work, that actually gives you more time to do some of this internal work. Take some online classes or whatever makes sense for you because you're not trying to juggle work and everything else. You can at one o'clock in the afternoon sit and take an Excel course if that's what you need to do. So I think the opportunity to even maybe find some part-time work if that's what companies are offering that fit into what you're trying to do. It's a great way to start to kind of piece together something. But otherwise, yeah, sometimes things happen that are totally outside of your control. So focus on what you can control and that will help you get on that path. So you can control taking a class. You can control having virtual coffees with people. You can control redoing your resume. Focus on those things and hopefully hopefully that will get you on the path you want to get to while also feeling like you're not totally spinning out of control. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. This was really fun. This is a topic that is really near and dear to my heart having been a career switcher myself, but also having worked with a lot of people who make really big career changes and and find that in the end, that's not always easy to go through, but kind of gratifying in the end, if you can, you can engineer something to get you where you want to be. So Karen, where can people find you online? Yeah, the best place is definitely LinkedIn. So it's uh, just Karen D. Weeks on LinkedIn. I do have a website that's currently going under construction, but it's weeks247.com. I technically have Twitter, but I really rarely check it. So really LinkedIn in the website. And then the podcast is on all the main Apple and Stitcher and all those kinds of platforms. So check us out there as well. 
All right, great. And the podcast is called Getting Off the Hamster Wheel. So yes. I want to just mention that again. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing advice for people making a career switch. Folks, now that you know how to get started on making your career change, go do it. I believe in you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.